one of the most certain ways to reach your goals is by having true belief in yourself. So in three, two, one, here we go. Yes, all right. Welcome listeners to episode 105 of the Goal Mastery and Motivation Podcast. For new listeners, this podcast was created to help people feel motivated and encourage individuals to reach for goals regardless of how difficult and challenging they may be. Life can be really hard at times and the obstacles can feel insurmountable. But the truth is goals can be achieved with the right mindset, the right effort, and an undeniable belief in yourself. So I can't wait to play this episode because I had the privilege of interviewing Mr. Faz Ali. He is the founder and creative of Ali Adaptive Sports and Fitness. Faz has had to overcome many obstacles in life, in particular the amputation of his right lower leg. After many years of struggle, Faz found a new purpose and outlet in life by becoming a professional wheelchair basketball athlete eventually turning into a national all-star and multiple Division I champion. After achieving success in the NWBA, Faz started Ali Adaptive Sports and Fitness for physically disabled youth in upstate New York. I am grateful that he is giving us all the opportunity to hear his journey. So let's take a listen. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Go Mastery and Motivation Podcast. I'm really excited for this one. We're speaking with Faz. He has such a great story to tell. I met him about a week ago and... Um, it, we hit it off really well, and what he has to say is going to be really eye-opening and really fascinating and inspirational. So, uh, Faz, I really appreciate you taking the time out to speak to me. You're very welcome. Okay. So, um, basically, you can just start by talking a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing. Well, my main project that I'm working on right now is my adaptive sports and fitness program. Uh, we are proudly the only adaptive sports and fitness program that provides consistent adaptive sport instruction to physically disabled youth. And I know a lot of people are sitting there and there may be listeners that are listening to this saying, hey, listen, there's adaptive sports everywhere. It's in every school district. And that's the awareness that we bring, Gonzalo. When we're thinking about adaptive sports, you're thinking about the two different genres of adaptive sports. Right. Uh, you have adaptive sports for the cognitively disabled, the special Olympic athlete, and you have adaptive sports for the physically disabled, the Paralympic athlete. The two are not eligible for each other. Okay. So um, unfortunately for myself and the kids that we've identified in our program and their families, they're only physically disabled and they're being pushed towards Special Olympic activities. Uh, so that's an awareness and a mission and a voice that we bring here to Orange County and all the surrounding counties. Okay. And so what is it that makes it adaptive? Uh, it's adaptive in the way that everybody in our program is participating in sport wheelchairs. Okay. Okay, so um, we've adapted the sport for a physically disabled person who has problems ambula ambulating right. to be able to participate in wheelchair basketball, wheelchair tennis, track and field, and other sports also. I think that's awesome because it just, yeah, because I can imagine, you know, um, being in that situation where you want to play these sports but because of what happened to you whatever physical um, injury has occurred and now you can no longer participate in the same way you feel left out and so what you're doing is reaching out to these kids and helping them feel connected and coming back to what they want to do absolutely bringing them together giving them a voice giving them an identity an identity that I didn't have after my amputation okay so that's what I wanted to get into next was uh, why 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 is this your passion why are you connected to this and what brought you here so obviously you just said that um, your amputation so if you can can you tell us a little bit about that sure sure um, my story starts uh, 
Almost 18 years ago, I was living my childhood dream of living in New York. I had graduated from the physical therapy assistant program, um, had fallen in love with a woman, and I was a year into working at a skilled nursing facility okay. um, as a physical therapist assistant. Um, I had a blood clot, and my first symptoms were my leg feeling like they, it was asleep. Um, and the next day I was gonna be going into work, I was gonna tell the physical therapist I work with to put me on light duty. <laughs> Um, but when I walked inside of my job the next day, I had the worst pain I ever had in my leg, my right lower leg, and me being the young, energetic, amazing therapist at 24 mm -hmm. years of age, all the nurses came running and they immediately knew it was a circulation problem. Mm -hmm. From that symptom uh, led to me going directly into intensive care, um, a stay in three right. different hospitals and me having four surgeries on the way to my fifth oh, surgery man. of getting my leg amputated below the knee. Whoa. And that was probably three weeks after my first symptom. So, so, um, wait, so you went through about four operations three weeks from your first symptom? Yes, that must yes. Have, that emotional roller coaster ride must have been something else. Yeah, yeah. And still to this day, when you deal with a traumatic event like that, with me every day and every moment of the day, um, when you're dealing with limb loss, um, I think the hardest part was for me was uh, losing my independence. Um, and we think of independence as only walking, um, but there's a lot of other independence uh, also that we able-bodied people don't really see uh, right. the fact that I lost the ability to wipe myself, the fact that I could not bathe, the fact that I had no longer an identity of an able-bodied man. Um, I can remember the first times looking at my leg amputated and being nauseous, and now I'm expected to care for this leg for the rest of my life. So right. definitely life-changing event. No, absolutely. Now, you know, when you speak about these things, I, I can relate in terms of I'm a therapist myself, I'm an occupational therapist, and so I know exactly what that's like to work with someone who went from being completely functional to all of a sudden losing that level of independence, which you said word for word, it's you, you feel like you've lost your independence and all the things you've been used to doing, all of a sudden you can't do them anymore or you can't do them properly and you know it's completely life-changing and you know, as a therapist, I, I work with that and I have experience with that and I know that it is a difficult obstacle and you know, that's part of our profession that we really work towards and strive to help people regain that functional independence, whether it's through adaptive strategies or compensatory strategies. So, I mean, I, now that you talk about that, you know, I really start putting it in that perspective as well. So. Great, and I had a very um, odd, interesting uh, perspective with you touching on the fact that you're an occupational therapist, is that the fact that I went through my amputation as a physical therapist assistant. assistant right. um, I had just taught an amputee to walk a year prior towards my, uh, my amputation. Um, so going into it as a therapist um, was an amazing journey and very challenging for right. me to yeah. deal with the emotions of that. Right. And now you talk about the emotions. Uh, would you mind uh, going into that a little bit? Like, you know, talking about some of the emotional uh, strife you went through and... 
Sure. Um, you know, when we're talking about emotional strife, people always talk about and society always talks about what I have achieved from my amputation. Oh, I'm a two-time national champion. Oh, I've been able to raise kids. Uh, I have two sons. I, I've been, I was able to go to work five and a half months after having my leg amputated and go back to work full time and work at the same job for the next 14 years. But what we don't talk about is the struggles, the strife, the depression, the shock, the suicidal thoughts, and what the blueprint or the map, if you will, to help me get to that person. Um, so uh, for me, it has been an everyday struggle and a struggle that I've had to hold on the inside. Um, there was no gold at the end of the rainbow of my amputation for me. I actually was in further debt after my surgeries and I had to go back to work. Um, I was the kind of uh, young man that could not live off of a couple hundred dollars a month and I always dreamed and had ambition to be more. You know, I always remind I was at the top of my life at 24, yeah. renting my own home and working. I had achieved my dream of living in New York. So to be knocked off of that uh, changes everything forever. Yeah. And so you're mentioning uh, being a national champion. Can you go into that a little bit? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm a national champion. I play in the National Wheelchair Basketball Association. I play in the Division One. Uh, the National Wheelchair Basketball Association has been around for 50 years, yet not many people hear about it. My team um, is the New York Rolling Knicks, okay. and we proudly won the Division I National Championship in 2014 wow. and uh, this past year in 2018. Really? Also. Awesome. Okay, so two championships in five years. That's good. Actually, in four years, right? Um, so how did you uh, come across... Um, wheelchair basketball and were you playing basketball before that uh yeah, yeah um, I didn't grow up playing a lot of basketball. I had basketball in, uh, um, a basketball rim in my yard that I would shoot on just recreational. It wasn't until 1994 me moving to New York and hanging out with my cousins that had grown up in New York their whole life where basketball was a staple in their life. So um, prior to my amputation, I worked at the YMCA and um, where I ran open gyms and uh, worked with kids. Um, and I also worked for the Boys and Girls Club where I ran open gyms for basketball. So I had just gotten good at uh, able body or stand-up basketball and I often would go home and want to run into my childhood friends to show them <laughs> how good I had gotten at uh -huh. able body basketball before my amputation. Wow. Okay, okay. So um, because you had this experience being a PTA and working with uh, uh, people who have had their amputations, when you finally saw it from their perspective, um, what was that like? Um, their perspective, um, when you're an able-bodied person, and we love Gonzalo, but he is an able-bodied man, uh, you have no idea and you cannot have an idea of the perspective of someone dealing with limb loss or chronic illness or a chronic ailment, um, you just couldn't, I don't care if you're a doctor or the best therapist in the world, you could never know what it is to have that event or have that on your mind at every moment of the day. Um, I think dealing with limb loss and being an active amputee, um, I know that firsthand, you know, and that's been the hardest part of being an amputee is the perception, the perception that I'm fit and I'm up walking and that everything is like wearing a shoe. Uh, whereas the real per perspective is every step of every day, I know I'm wearing a prosthesis and I'm making it do what I want it to do to make it look like an able-bodied walker. Right. Um, you know, so it's 
a good perspective, uh, perspective to have and also a false perception of the amputee and what they're feeling and dealing with. Every day of the week at my job, I have people telling me how amazing I look and how I feel. And I can have phantom sensations or feel like a lighter is underneath my leg, but be able to block that and people think that I'm just like them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, can you go into the phantom sensation? Some people... Um, might not know too much about that. Okay, uh, phantom sensations are something that I've been dealing with for the past 20 years. Um, obviously, you're cutting all the nerve, nerve pathways uh, in a very traumatic way, so you're always going to have feelings of that limb being there. Um, for me, it could be that lighter where I'm sitting on the couch and I'm saying, ow, really loud, and everybody's coming running, and it feels like someone just put a lighter to my leg and it went away, or I could be yelling, ow, and it feels like somebody stabbed the screwdriver in my leg and it's going away, or it could be what's going on right now that my right leg that's no longer there and my toes are all moving and I have all this buzzing going on constantly as I'm talking to you. But the perception is that there's nothing neurologically going on and everything is fine and that leg prosthesis feels like your other leg. But I'm dealing with an amazing amount of phantom sensations even as we speak. Wow, okay. And um, would you say that while you're doing the wheelchair basketball that kind of dissipates, that goes away and then or like, do you, do you feel it or like the excitement of playing and, you know, going through the, the competitive side of it, does that kind of help? Is that almost like therapy in a wow, way? Wow, you know, I, um, I, we're, talk, we're talking about uh, phantom sensations and me feeling it while I'm playing basketball and I've never been asked that. And now that I've never had to think about that, I would have to say no, Gonzalo. I don't feel my phantom sensations when I'm playing basketball. One of the main things could be is that I do not play with my prosthesis on. Mm -hmm. um, right now, my prosthesis is on, mm -hmm. and I have a liner that's rolled onto my leg, and now that has a pin on it, and it's yeah. jammed inside of a, a hard plastic socket, so that kind of cooks those phantom sensations up a little bit more. But I can't remember ever having a phantom sensation while I'm playing. Yeah. I guess the adrenaline kind of takes sure. that out. and. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's definitely to me almost like therapy, right? It's yeah. Like, I mean, so uh, okay. So what happened after you started being successful with um, the wheelchair basketball, becoming the national champions, Division One, and um, w what started happening in your life after that? You know, and and before we go into after that, Gonzalo, I have to um, just. Uh, jump to the topic that um, I didn't find adaptive sports seven years after my amputation. I went back to work full time. I had therapists guarding me playing on my prosthesis. At 24 years of age, no one mentioned adaptive sports or wheelchair basketball to me for seven years. I never even had an everyday wheelchair in my home because of the lack of awareness for amputees and what amputees who play sports need. Um, so. We just had to touch on that quickly because yeah. oh, I, no, always, no, I always want everybody to know that I didn't have this wheelchair brought to my hospital bed. I went back to work as with, right. I was supposed to have this identity as Faz Ali, the man before. Right. I was no longer that man, Gonzalo, and I never could be that man because how could I? My legs cut off forever, you know? Um, so I spent seven lonely years without that identity and then found that identity. Right. And yeah. then I think that leads us to your question, yeah. which was... Mm -hmm. No, but we could still talk about that. Those seven years, that must have been, you know, because it's almost like you're trying to refine the purpose or like, you know, like those seven years, you can, you can talk a little bit more about that. You know that. what? I think for me, going back to work five months later, I went back because I was still in shock. 
Um, but then the shock wears off. And you're realizing that this is forever. And what you could put up to make everybody feel good because everybody's devastated and you want your family to feel good. You want your mom and dad to be happy. You want your girlfriend to think that I, I'm that same person. Then you're stuck in that point where, wow, I have to get up every day and go to work now. And I'm no longer that same person, but I'm stuck here. So that was, uh, has been a very emotional journey for me. Yeah. And it's really, um, um, and a lot of stuff that we hide. You know, no one, my family doesn't know I was crying on my way to work, that I was, my leg was bleeding and I was cleaning my liner out at work so I could then go back to work. The fact that I had to mask all these emotions for decades, we're talking about two decades here. Um, and now that I'm finally coming out and it's only because of the introduction to adaptive sports and what that's done for my life. Okay. So, okay. So yeah, getting back to uh, my previous question, you know, after the national, after the becoming, you know, national champions and, you know, division one and, and, and achieving success on the court, it seems like you wanted to start achieving extra success off the court as well, because now we can talk into what you've been developing and what you've been working on, which is so inspirational. Well, the whole thing's been inspirational, obviously, but I mean, this part, I, I like hearing this part, and I really think the audience should hear it, so. Um, yeah, you know what, um, the national championships were just setting me up and get, giving me the education, if you will, for adaptive sports and the legitimacy uh, as an elite athlete to bring me to my true mission. And that's bringing that to the same community, which had nothing for me. You know, we, we touched on the fact that I came into a community that had no one could service me or tell me that I was going to be an athlete or introduce me to those other athletes around the world that were like me mm -hmm. and around the country that were like me. Um, so um, after winning the national championship, I was already thinking of my adaptive sports and fitness program before I had one kid. I was told that there were no kids in the community. I was told by the division leader of pediatrics at one of the biggest healthcare giants in our area, who's a pediatrician, who's a believer in me and came to the city to watch me, that he had spoke to his wife, who's a pediatrician, and all the other pediatricians in his office, and that there were no physically disabled children that they could send me. I sent an email to the kids in my program. Four of the kids had been patients of them their whole lives. Wow. So that lack of awareness yeah is something that I've committed my life to a vision and a mission to make that voice heard so that all of our physically disabled kids could have this map to success, to have this blueprint to overcome the barriers that are in their lives. Um, the adaptive sports is just the platform, the platform to overcome, to overcome life's challenges because every day is gonna be a challenge whether you're able-bodied or whether you're physically differently abled. Right. Right. Wow. Okay. And so what steps did you take towards bringing, you know, can you tell us a little bit about the development of the program like that? Because, you know, some people might want to be inspired as well after hearing you or maybe under, you know, thinking similar lines, but they just don't know how to start a program. And how'd you do that? Yeah. Um, you know, um, I think um, when you're starting an organization, because when you're running a nonprofit, it's so much more than a program. Um, programs will come out of your nonprofit business organization, but starting a, this is an official nonprofit. Okay. Uh, so um, it's extremely challenging because you're managing a board of directors and a whole business side of it, um, of growth. 
um, of expansion, all the while while you're servicing and providing those services to the community. Um, and also you have to understand that I have to find the community also. Right. Um, and I have to find the eligible kids and convince the families to come out. And once they meet me and hear our story and see, hear how I have overcome and continue to try to overcome they don't leave my side. Wow. So, um, but that's been um, extremely challenging. But if you have a mission and you have a vision and you're doing something seven days a week and you would be doing it if you were getting paid or if you were not getting paid, right. I always tell that person and teach my kids, you go after that mission and you make that dream a reality because that's your full human potential and no one can silence that voice and no one can silence that voice and that journey that I've been on to want to bring this mission here to our kids so that they can overcome like I have. Yeah, yeah. See, that's, that's part of the reason why, you know, I started this podcast is because I, I want people to send that message out. I want people to know that there's more and that they can achieve more and believe in themselves despite their obstacles. And so, you know, I'm, that's why when I met you, I was like, oh, I got to talk to you even more than when we did at the conference. So um, what, are, what are some, uh, uh, where do you see your uh, nonprofit going? What, what are some things you would like to do with it? Um, you know what? Um, We've collected an amazing amount of data. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been delivering amazing services for the past three to four years. Um, hopefully this year we're gonna be, after, be able to go after s some real funds. Um, I see us being the envy of all adaptive sports programs throughout the world. I like that. And, That's and, the competitive side right there, that basketball side. I like that. You wanna be the envy of all other adaptive sports. And you know what? Like and we're only envy because we're creating a model okay. and the model that every adaptive sports program should start with is always the youth yeah. and it should start with exposure to a variety of different sports right. and recreational opportunities um, so that we could build up the person. Um, I see us um, having Paralympians coming out of Ali Adaptive Sports and Fitness. I see awesome. us treating every kid like a Paralympian even if they don't have that physical capability to achieve those goals. Um, I see us uh, being able to offer an uh, amazing peer mentorship. Um, I see us linking up our physically differently able kids with other kids with chronic illnesses um, towards recreation and motivation. Um, I think the sky's the limit with us, yeah, Gonzalo. Sounds, yeah, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it because I could feel it in the energy and when you speak and I totally I'm, I'm buying into it. And yes. I like it, you know, and so uh, so you do some collaboration with different organizations to help you um, with, the, you know, with the sports aspects and like the different venues, I guess you can say. What, sure. what, what about that? I'm um, sure. Well, you know, none of this would be possible without the belief of the YMCA of Middletown. Um, it's a state-of-the-art facility uh, where we've partnered to deliver our services. Um, we are talking about a $1.5 million pool, a beautiful fitness center, two locations with gyms, one of the locations we're in now, um, along with a plethora of other opportunities recreational. Um, so without the YMCA believing in our mission, um, this would not be possible. Um, also, uh, Wheelchair Sports Federation. Uh, Wheelchair Sports Federation has provided me with equipment. They provided me with finances. They provided me with insurance for, uh, for me to host silent auction events um, and get a lot of support and a lot of strength in other uh, people believing in you. 
Nice, nice. And so what about the kids? Can you talk a little bit about the kids you're working with? Great. And, you know, um, that's what really uh, gets us going. And yeah. this is why I'm in it. Uh, why I'm in it. We have an amazing group of kids. Every kid I've identified on our own and we provided services for. Uh, we have a wide age of kids um, going from our youngest, who's six years old, all the way up to um, 17 years mm -hmm. of age. Um, we have a varying amount of disabilities. I'm very proud of all of our kids because I am a father and these are my other kids um, if we're, um, I have two amputees in the program Gonzalo okay. one male one female um, 114 115 um, we have uh, spina bifida kids okay. uh, uh, kids with sacral agenesis um, and a lot of other disabilities that are kind of thrown in there okay. um, and these are all kids mind you Gonzalo that their whole life have been pushed towards Special Olympic activities and I love Special Olympics. I don't want any of our listeners to hear that we love Special Olympics, we love those kids, but we have to be aware. Obviously, you couldn't put me in Special Olympics, right. so why are we putting my 14-year-old amputee right. and demoralizing her into thinking that she's highly cognitively disabled and there's only opportunities for her to compete with sports with them? This is at the highest level in the school districts and the doctor's yeah. offices and, yeah. and that. So, But um, great group of kids. Yeah. You could read all about them on our website, aliadaptive.com, okay. okay. um, where you could... Um, read about their inspirational lives our kids some of our kids have had 20 something surgeries from the time they were oh four years old Man. can you imagine no. your you've 20 something surgeries no. Since you were four, no. No. and what that does to the kid emotionally yeah right yeah. we're not there's yeah. a whole emotional component that they have to overcome right. and guess what the kids are, want their parents to be happy and they have to mask that emotion because they want mom and dad to be happy because if they show their true inner being of how they real feeling, right. mom and dad won't be happy. It's exhausting keeping up that facade. Yeah. I've kept up that facade for 20 years right. and their voices have to be heard and the platform I'm giving them, their voices will be heard right. and they're going to be able to overcome. Yeah, I mean, I so believe in what you want to do and it's just awesome to hear it and I really appreciate everything you've been telling us and I love how much like you you light up just talking about the whole situation but you light up so much more once you start talking about the kids you know and then and yeah that's what it's about and I just it's it's amazing I think it's amazing and um, okay so this is the time where like I ask you to reflect on your journey a little bit is okay. there anybody out there that you'd want to like uh, like talk about that you like do you want to say thank you to that have helped you along the way that have been supportive and you know um, for me, I'd have to go back uh, to my beautiful wife. Um, she's the uh, girl that was my girlfriend who drove me to intensive care that day. She's the woman that I chose to, we chose to have a family together. Um, and she's also the woman who had to fall in love and remain with that person who has changed and has evolved into this other person. Um, her undying support for myself, my dreams, my goals, and our family's dreams would be who I would want to thank. Wow. Okay, cool. And so, um, again, thanks for having this time to speak with me. And I know the audience appreciates everything you've said. Uh, before we, uh, uh, you know, finish, I would like to ask you, is there a message you can send to individuals who are going through struggles and going through any obstacles, you know, kind of the way you went through? What would you like to say to them, you know? I mean, imagine they're here next to you. What would you want to say to them to help them along their journey? 
You know, Gonzalo, I, I would want to tell them that uh, a, a motto that I, no barriers uses. Um, and No Barriers provides amazing life-changing experiences for people around the world to help them overcome obstacles in their life. And one of their slogans is, the strength within you is stronger than what's in the way. Right? And that's something that I live by. I may have been defeated, but the strength within me and every human being that's around is stronger than the obstacle that's in your way. So I would be telling that person to that they've been chosen that they feel like that this life was not for them, but they've been chosen to enter this life and they're not alone. That there are those of us around the world that are dealing with the same barriers and that you can overcome. And um, we proudly give a platform to, for them to overcome, for our kids to overcome. But that's what I'd be telling any kid and adult, the strength within us, the strength within you is stronger to get you over any obstacle in your way. Stay steadfast to your belief. Stay steadfast that this is your mission and this was your path in your life because it's happened and it's here and it's not going away and you have to accept it. But through acceptance, you have to grow and you have to know that every day is going to be a new identity. But keep that strength within you. It's stronger to get you through anything in life. And have a belief in a, a higher being um, that they chose you to come down this path. And because one day you will lead others. One day you will inspire others through your journey and what you've overcome. That would be my message. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you for this time. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Gonzalo. All right. That was great. Again, I'd like to thank Foz for sharing his journey with us. You can find him online at aliadaptive.com. Also on Instagram at aliadaptivesports. Hey guys, if you're looking for some help to really focus in on your goals, to stay motivated and on track, consider a helpful tool called the Goal Mastery Planner. It is a goal-focused three-month planner that has already helped many people start progressing and executing on their journey to success. Check out the website at goalmasteryplanners.com or on Amazon, search Goal Mastery Planner. All right, thanks for listening in. And remember, if you beat the morning, lead the day, stick to your plan, and watch the goals come your way.